mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world, this is the Gravity Bros Podcast, and Lou, the finale is here! Boo! Invest in gold! (laughs) (laughs) Are you happy or sad? Are you bummed that we're so close to the end? Uh, no, because this is gonna free up a time block for both of us. That is maybe true. Hey, I don't want to take it from that perspective <laughs> because I have had an amazing time doing this with you. No, I um, have too, for sure. I guess I should tell the audience, here's kind of what we're thinking. We have four episodes left, more or less. So this is a four-part finale. It's arguably a three-part finale, but the third part is twice as long. So basically four parts. And I think that's how we're going to record it, too, because just taking notes on this episode alone was so much for me. I can't imagine a 45-minute true finale being able to log in. That'll be like a three-hour podcast, so I think it's better that we split it up. Yeah, there's a lot to this. I I thought about if we should just do the whole finale as one episode, too, and that would have just, it would have been like a four-hour podcast anyway, so might as well break it up. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Um and when we're done, I'm not going to say that's for sure the end, the end. Uh, we'll probably visit that closer uh, to that final podcast. I do want to have a bit of a retrospective talk about, um, yeah. you know, yeah, our feelings cool. about the series and also score uh, yeah. the points that we do at the end of every episode, talk about Journal 4 and stuff like that. So we should um, also, I don't know if this would be too much work, but it would also be really fun to like go one by one in every episode and in, in, uh, talk about every everything that we added to our journal and just like list them off. I, th- I think that can be done because I've logged most of them. Cool. Um, I might get a few things go. wrong, but I, I think I'd be pretty close. Um, I also wouldn't mind just dropping random episodes here and there. Like, I have interest in visiting the pilot episode that uh, yes. sort of came out later. Um, I have interest in maybe a bunch of the shorts that they did because there are some yeah. canonical things in there. Um, yeah. There, there's the Lost Legends book. So it's like... Um, I'm not necessarily going to say that we'll stay on the same schedule for all of those, but I personally would like to uh, cover some of that stuff before the end of this podcast lifespan. So uh, don't think you've heard The Last of Us, and make sure that you're also subscribed to the Expedition Cartoon Podcast, because I'm hoping if you've enjoyed your time with us this much, you will want to continue listening to what we're doing. Um, And uh, that podcast has been a lot of fun, too, so... Uh, just giving people a heads up about what's out there. Um, you can always share your thoughts in the Discord, which is also in our show notes. There's lots of different ways to get engaged with the Jester Bros. Yes. All right. Well, with that said, I'm going to jump right into this, Lou, because there is so much to cover today. Uh, I don't know how we're going to do it. From the minute I started taking notes, I was almost annoyed. Like, I I loved it, but I was (laughs) annoyed. I'm like, I have to pause every three seconds. There's so much, especially in this intro. Uh, and then Bill goes off and just starts rattling off the names of his henchmen in like two seconds. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah, do I know, right? I-, I didn't write down the names of all the henchmen, but I did write down all of the cool details in the uh, theme song because the theme song totally changed. Great. And the best thing is, I'm better at like the word details, and you're better at catching the things in the background. So I think between the two of us, we're probably going to catch a lot here. Cool. Uh, so. We immediately pick up from the last episode. Um, If you remember, Mabel just gave the rift to Blendon Blandon, who was actually Bill Cipher possessing his body. Correct. Uh, And Bill Cipher basically threw the rift on the ground. It burst open. And now Weird Mageddon is here. The apocalypse that has been impending. Uh, Bill Cipher immediately at the beginning of this episode 
flies into the sky and starts transforming into what he says is his physical form because he's never technically been here. He's always been sort of, uh, what do you think is the right way of saying it? Um, I I don't want to say two dimensional, but like differently dimensional. Yeah, it's it's a situation where he's almost been, um, uh, like astral projecting into this. Yeah, form. yeah. He's never had a physical like material body. Yeah, as far and- as we've seen, and the formation at the very beginning where he gets his material body is flipping sick, dude. His like muscles crawl all over him. He gains three dimensions for a second. It look, it, it was a good transformation sequence. Yeah, well, and I'm glad that they did that because the rest of the episode, for the most part, we just see him as his same yellow self. So you wouldn't actually know that there was a difference between what happened before and now. That's um, kind of true. Which, which almost, I almost feel like we probably deserved like a slightly fresher design. I, I mean, there are some moments where we see that he still has three dimensions. We'll get into it. Definitely. So he's up there. We realize this is bad. Apocalypse is now. Um, Apocalypse now. Th- yeah, that's, that's right. a great movie. A couple things happening right now. Uh, Blendon Blandon, whose body was possessed, snaps out of it. He's like, oh, this is bad. Calls the time anomaly removal crew, his buddies, uh, and explains that there's a situation. Well, hold we all... on. His employers, let's keep a business distance in their relationship. I think that's <laughs> very true and accurate. Um, also, we see Mabel get imprisoned in this type of orb, which has the uh, label of her... Um, Sweater? Yeah, yeah, it's her her sweater. Her her logo, I was gonna say. Yeah, the rainbow, that iconic rainbow on the front of Mabel's sweater is on the outside of this orb, and she just sort of floats into the sky, and she appears to be unconscious. Questionable. Uh, Yep, we also see the Gravity Falls citizens start to see Bill Cipher in the sky, uh, and this is after his transformation. He also kind of turns into, like, this multi-level black uh, triangle that... uh, can like move around in form you know bill cypher is just cool <laughs> i gotta say he, he's one of the sickest villains i've ever seen in animation i, I think that he, he cracks my top 10 maybe i should do a top 10 villains in the list on the youtube channel. that would that would be fun also when we do expedition cartoon or other podcasts that's gonna stay bi-weekly and when gravity bros is over we may consider doing podcasts in between weeks that are like that uh i would so love that'd be fun i think that'd be really fun to talk through so yeah that's another thing that maybe you can expect from that feed if you want to be subscribed and feel free to suggest ideas in the discord for top 10 lists and things because i I can see that being a really uh enjoyable experience i love Uh, it all right uh so bill says to all these citizens he's been trapped in his own dimension waiting for a new universe to call his own his name is bill but they can call him their lord and master for all of eternity uh and immediately introduces them to his interdimensional gang of criminals and nightmares that he calls his friends it's good to have friends lou it's i gotta say like it definitely looks better to be on his side of of the fence right now like you get a sick design you came from this parallel world you're finally free and get to experience life on earth like he's kind of winning i hate to say it it's kind of awesome it's true he also names them off and i did in fact write this down i'm glad Uh, we have eight ball cocaine crypto sorry cocaine stop why that's what i don't know that's what i thought it was a reference to it's eight i ball. had no idea that was even slang for that i know you don't know any of those things <laughs> all 
All right, well, what if every single one of these was drug slang and they just had a really clever way of sneaking it in there? Wait, what were the other ones? <laughs> All right, get ready. Cryptos. Uh, I feel like that's probably more of a reference to like, well, like, was crypto a thing back then? No, so this is spelled differently. Uh, uh, cryptozoology no. probably is what that's No, it's actually K R Y P T O S. Well, I mean, so, I more like Krypton, like Superman's planet. Oh. Um, we have he whose name must never be said. And oh, then, Voldemort for sure. That's a Voldemort reference. Right. And then Bill Cyber's like, oh, what the hell? His name is Xanthar. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is just was, a silly science fiction name as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Or yeah, Xanax. Well, I don't know. Man, yeah, but this one, again, different spelling. Xanax is yeah. an X. Xanthar, we have a Z. Hey, um, you know how one's spelled. Yeah, well, listen, etymology is actually a really interesting subject. And usually, even if something sounds the same, but the letters start differently, they're totally different roots. So, Unless you're trying to be subtle, so you don't get in trouble with FCC. That's true. Uh, we have teeth, which is literally just walking teeth. Uh, we have keyhole, which is what it sounds like, too. I uh, don't... That could be a reference to something, but I don't know what it is. It just seems silly to me. We have Hectorgorn, which appears to almost be a Rubik's Cube that has split inside itself and just turned into, like, little moving pieces. You know, I of all of these designs, I gotta be honest, I thought that one was the lamest. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we the, the rest of them, I don't even know which is which. We have Amorphous Shape. We have... <laughs> Veronica Pacifier, who I think is the more feminine pink one. It just reminds me of Veronica still. Fair. Wait, and then is Veronica have... from this show, or is that from something else? I have no, no. idea what it means. So, oh I my gosh, no, that's fair. that's from. Uh, no, that was no Pacifica is the person I'm thinking of. Who's Veronica from? Hold on, I have to look. Yep, this up. it's important context. And while you're looking that up, we also have these guys. As he says, they are flying eye bats, and there's a bunch of them. And we learn really quickly that these iBats can just, like, put kind of these laser-type beam eyes onto Gravity Falls citizens and freeze them. And I don't think they're quite turned to stone, almost just statues. And some of them have different colors. So the point is, though, they can't move. They're stuck inside whatever uh, freezing power has affected them. And can't find it. Maybe you made it up. Maybe it's not even a real... Oh, no, uh... no, no, no. Veronica Mayday from Husband Hotel. Or from Hell of a Boss. Ah, oh, wait, is that okay. Hell... No, no, no. Wait, Veronica. <laughs> yeah, I will I say, Bill Cipher and his whole gang do give a little bit of Hell of a Boss Husband Hotel energy uh, totally. in this sequence and in this episode. Yeah, Veronica Mayday from Hell of a Boss. That's right. Okay. Well, it was I understand Blitz's how you act. made the connection. Yeah, there we go. I, I made it. Uh, I'm sure that that was not a reference to that because Hell of a Boss came way after this. Absolutely. Uh, so we have all of these uh, kooky creatures. I'd say just look them up as opposed to trying to go to the trouble to explain them all. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter for our podcast. I can say that Xanthar has like a chair for a face and say eight ball sort of has two eight balls for eyes and is just like a creepy looking beast. I could not tell you what cryptos or amorphous shape look like. Um, One's an amorphous blob, kind of. I, I'm shocked that I remembered this many, so uh, I'll take my credit. Thanks. Um, that was good. It, Didn't you write them, though? 
well, I wrote their names, but I didn't write their descriptions, so oh, okay, I'm fair. going I'll off you, of memory I'll give you the credit then. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, after they tell all these citizens, hey, this is our town now, uh, Mayor Tyler Cutebiker, recently elected, is like, hey, I'm the mayor of this town, and you gotta get them out or something. Get, get up on, get up on out of here. Well, come on. Yeah, <laughs> whatever get, you know, whatever his catchphrase is, he tries to say out. it. Yeah. And uh, uh, other Gravity Falls citizens are set as well. We also have, I guess, a couple little character moments. Wendy's dad says, hey, we punch what we don't understand around here, yep. which is on brand for them and society at large. Yeah, that, that, that even, completely tracks. Even better, Pacific Northwest dad says, as a rich capitalist, I welcome a tyrannical rule, and I volunteer to be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I do. I loathe how good you are at that voice. That's that's a problem. <laughs> I loved this. T- he, they're not subtle about this in the dialogue. He's like, as a rich capitalist, I welcome tyrannical rule. <laughs> I mean, I speak for all of us. I, uh, yeah, that hits a nail on the head as far as I'm concerned. That's all there needs to be said. Uh, Bill Cipher is like, great offer. How about instead I shuffle the functions of every hole in your face? And that is one of the best scenes in the entire show, in my opinion, because uh, it is absolutely horrifying and it happens to the nicest guy. <laughs> yeah, his eye, he ends up like with an eyeball where his mouth should go in like two yep. empty sockets. It's pretty. Which I'm scary. just going to say right now before this looks like a nightmare LSD trip, this entire like weird Mageddon shift. Like I, I, I cannot think of a better way to describe it truly. Yeah, and that's what they're going for, is just this wild, pure, uh, unimaginable uh, psychedelic visions, I would say. Um, yeah. It, I, and, it's, uh, it's, except it's all real. It's it's the right. fear of somebody who got too high. <laughs> right. The pure psychedelic visions will come in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so Bill Cipher laughs as everyone runs, and they realize, oh, this guy's actually a very serious threat. Yeah, um, actually. Oh, I'm in danger. Yeah, immediately one of the cops, Durlin, gets turned into a statue by one of the iBats and carried away. And Sheriff Blubs, his, uh, his, look, we're just going to say it, his boyfriend is so sad. Yeah. That's probably one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the entire film, too. Like, yeah. truly. It, it's just, it's awful. It's awful. They've been so great together the whole time. Yeah. And listen, a bunch of them are turning into statues, but the show does not shy away from death in this episode either, which we'll get to. You know, I love how hard they go. It really is such a serious threat. As far as finales go in animation, this one's really up there. um, Because I've talked about how hard it is to land the plane in a finale. Uh, this, This is a good one. It's among the best. So I concur. Bubbles of pure madness uh, start to emerge, and we learn that these bubbles essentially, once they touch somebody, make them have some kind of a. I guess it's it's hard to tell if it's a true hallucination, honestly, or if uh, people are actually experiencing a different reality every time they go through them. Yeah, I think it's like a reality distortion thing. I think it's. Probably I think that's real. right because the first one that. Um, passes through a person uh it's the same guy that sold mabel the pig uh he just immediately after it's gone loses his mind like what just just happened to me reaming his head off and it is hysterical 
<laughs> I guess so. It's uh, so funny. I loved and, it. And the juxtaposition of the terror on all the citizens to Bill Cipher being like, woohoo, the party never stops. Time is dead and meaning has no meaning. Exist- yep. Existence is upside down and I reign supreme. Uh, and he says, love- welcome, uh, welcome one and all to Weird Again. Weird Mageddon. Yeah, honestly, this is a pretty mind-blowing uh, intro. And then it doesn't stop there. It launches straight into a theme song that is 100% distorted. Like, it's like Bill took the reality of the theme song and completely messed with it, uh, which is a great touch. A lot of my favorite shows do stuff like this. Like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure messes with their theme songs. Like, I think when the villain starts to use their powers to creep into the canon that you're watching, it gets really unnerving. Which is such an excellent creative choice for that exact reason. Could you tell me what you found in this theme song? Because I know that you took the time to go through it. Okay, so it starts off with a river of blood floating up into a black hole in reverse of gravity, which is like, whoa, gravity falls. Chill out. (laughs) Like reverse gravity falls. Yeah. uh, The Paul Bunyan guy that we see at the beginning uh, comes alive and starts walking around. Uh, All of the, that, that next part where it looks like a bunch of trees, it, the trees turn into feet and actually i noticed that there was something moving around uh and i i know in the original i think it's like bigfoot or something and it's only there for one frame so i actually paused and went frame by frame to find out what it was and it's actually a tree person running around in this version um and then we start to get our main cast uh replaced by bill's friends the first one is eight ball and finds uh dipper's skeleton dead which is ridiculous uh then we get Teeth, Keyhole, Hectagon, whatever his name is, Hectagon. Uh, Wendy's dad, and then we get the little campfire with, we got uh, Wendy's dad. Uh, still alive, Cap? Who the heck is that? Oh, yeah, that's right. The cop that's still alive that wasn't turned into stone. Uh, the mayor, uh, what's his name again? Tyler Cute Biker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, him and uh, Grenda, who's eating uh, a rat on a stick. And then instead of the creepy face that shows up behind him in the original, it's Bill Cipher's face, which is a great touch. Uh, my handwriting is a little uh, disgusting. That's why I'm having a hard time with this. The oh, no, that's all right. Summon. Oh, and then we see the little uh, like pages from the journal that's that uh, the author originally wrote that says, don't summon Bill at all costs. And then a photo montage that uh, was the photo montage from the Gravity Falls family, but Bill Cipher replaced himself into all of the pictures. Incredible. Uh, and just from a little uh, search that I did, uh, I also learned that, you know how in the regular opening theme, there's like a faint whisper that's heard throughout the show. And if you like listen to the whisper, it turns into a cipher. Yeah. And I think it's something like Welcome to Gravity Falls. Uh, they changed it. And in this version, it's, Bill's voice heard be uh, heard saying, uh, "I'm watching you, nerds." Whoa, that's creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. Just letting the audience know that he knows what's going on. I lo- I love it. There's also just a cipher throughout the theme song that spells out "Gravity Falls." So cool, pretty awesome. Uh, thank you for detailing that. Now. We see Grunkle Ford and Dipper together. Uh, They're back where they were at the end of the episode. And Ford says, this is how the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a cuckoo. Which is a reference to a great poem that I recommend. Uh, What is it? uh, This is how the world ends. And it's uh, basically not with a bang, but a whimper. A whimper, that's right. 
Uh, I actually didn't know that line was from that. I thought it was from a movie. Yeah, no, it is from a poem. Fun fact. Uh, Weird Mageddon says Depper. Uh, I don't remember how he learned the name. I don't know if maybe he could have overheard Bill say it, but... uh, No, no, remember Grunkle originally told him a couple episodes ago. Okay, okay, you're right. If the thing expands, it'll become Weird Mageddon or whatever he says. So he knew. It's interesting that the nomenclature is just known between him and Bill, but I guess it makes sense. He spent a lot of time with Bill. Um, Eh, I'll bet he's the one who made the name. Scientists are like that. True. The gnomes run from the forest. Uh... Bill's world is spilling into Gravity Falls, and every minute his powers grow stronger, and they will only expand past Gravity Falls if they can't do anything about it. Um, Dipper realizes the rift must have cracked inside Mabel's backpack, and she must be in danger. And this is interesting because he has no idea that Mabel is responsible for all this by willingly just handing the rift to a stranger. Basically, oh my god, I didn't even actually think about that. You're right. That is That kind of... You're right. The first thing he thinks is, oh my god, I wonder if she's okay. We need to go find out. Yeah, he's like, man, I handed her a time bomb, basically, is what he's thinking, and it cracked, and now all of this is... Right. I mean, Uh, in a way. In a way. He should have kept better track of that. I think that's fair. I think, you know, Ford is to be blamed, too. Like, yeah, just carry that thing around in a backpack in the first place. Just give it to a 12-year-old. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Ford isn't sure if it's even possible to stop this at this moment. Um, but he tells Dipper that being a hero means fighting back even when it seems impossible, which I fundamentally disagree with. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily heroic to do something that is truly impossible. I think it's more so like it's heroic to do something even if you're not sure you're going to be able to win because giving up is the lame thing to do. Yeah, and I think that that is true, and I also think that in this case, they have to fight. Uh, You know, whether they're being heroes or not, I think they gotta throw that away. Actually, have you ever seen a hero that, like, an actual hero? I'm not just talking about your average everyday Joe that, like, oh, I got up today, good for you, I'm heroic. Like, stop patting yourself on the back, you're just a human being. Uh, You know, I mean more so, like, people who actually go above and beyond to do incredible things. Like, it's kind of true, a little bit, right? Well... (laughs) Yes, but I also don't think that those people are waking up every day calling themselves a hero and doing what they need to do to become a hero. That's where I take issue, is well, yeah, it's time I to mean, be a hero. I bet some of those people, maybe that aren't heroes, do that. But um, I believe that. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm not saying, I mean, you know, this is a kid's cartoon, but I'll bet some of those people are thinking like, okay, I need to figure out how to like beat the impossible for real. That's That's realistic. Well, and I guess that there is something about heroism that we want to admire, and it is a noble effort to want to be heroic, I think. Uh, I also think that being a good person and being heroic are different, because being a good person, the tasks aren't as hard. Being heroic is doing something that's never been done before and, like, changing the world in a way that's very, very, very difficult. Because otherwise anybody can do it. This would be heroic if they were able to stop a cataclysmic event. Yeah, I agree. Um, So Ford asks Dipper, will you follow me? And Dipper says, to the ends of the earth. And uh, Ford's like, good, because that's where we're headed. Yeah, good, Uh, because we already there, son. And a weirdness wave shows up, and they run to the shack to get away from it. Which I actually don't get the logic of, because immediately we see Seuss's place and the tidal wave of madness goes over him. Oh, wait, I do get the logic. I was um, going to say, but, isn't the shack, like, protected? 
That's it. Yeah. So I'll finish my thought. Um, so this tidal wave passes into Seuss's house and it passes over him as if everything's fine, which is also a little weird. And he <laughs> turns to the right and his grandmother is now a chair. Yeah. She's a chair. Yeah. I'm a chair, bitch. Uh, what? Some people are loving it. Something? <laughs> it is a reference. Um, so. Okay. This is wild to me. The, the whole sequence is actually very funny. Um, Seuss goes to try to help his grandmother, who is a chair. And she's like, oh, no, I'll be fine. Go help your friend. Yeah, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm just a chair. Now I don't need to sit in a chair. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I've literally become exactly what I love. Yeah, we win. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Seuss goes out to help. Uh, and yeah, to close your point, you're right. The mystery shack has been protected by uh, the device that they put in place. So that's how they're able to uh, get out of that one. Uh, meanwhile, we see the Gravity Falls goat grow giant in front of Grunkle Stan, who's heckling it. And we uh, mean a literal goat, not like how Dipper's the goat of Gravity Falls. We mean literally. Right. And question, Lou, Stan runs away here. This is the only time we see Grunkle Stan, right? We have no idea where he went from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's interesting. They don't even clue us in unless there's something that I missed in the subtext somewhere. I don't uh, think so. I think there's just a lot going on and... uh I'll bet you he just, I'll like, I mean, I kind of know. I'm sure he just ended up going back to the uh, shack. But I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe he goes on a little side journey right now. That'd be funny. It could be. Uh, they say, uh, whoops, hold on. Sorry. Um, so we've got this goat growing giant. We also see the characters freed of their machines in the gravity falls arcade. Like yeah, we, we uh, see, rumble uh, skirmish and all of that. Yeah, I was going to say he's Terry from, he's supposed to be Terry from uh, street fighter. Right. Uh, then we see Lil Gideon in jail where his fellow inmates are defending his finger painting to the finger painting instructor. Now, something I need to bring up since you brought that up, Gideon is somehow, like, one of the best characters in this episode. Like, seeing that he made friends with all of these prison people and they actually undyingly love him for who he is, is hysterical. He has some kind of charisma that we don't see. Um, it's you true. know, I watch a lot of Survivor, and sometimes there's Survivor players that win and or go far, and everybody's like, wow, that person is just the best on the show. But the edit doesn't tell us. And we're like, what is it about that person that makes them so likable that they were able to do this well? And that's what I think about when I think of Lil Gideon. Um, like, we're just getting a bad edit, and, and he's actually really cool on the sidelines. I, I don't yeah, think so. Maybe, well, I think that we're seeing a true edit. You know, he's not saying... He, he's saying things for the cameras that are purely evil. Um, but maybe he also has a way about him that if we... Maybe if we didn't know he was a villain... Uh, we we may enjoy him a little bit more. Who knows? Because um, these know. prison inmates love Gideon. Ghost Eyes is his best friend, one of the cellmates. Which is weird, because I feel like I would get along with a lot of the prison people, but I feel like it's not a good matchup still. You know, these are people who have learned to see the best in each other despite their crimes, and maybe that's where <laughs> it comes from. That's what prison culture fosters in America. I, well, maybe maybe in this cartoonified version, anyway. 
so as this is happening, the Gravity Falls goat, which is in fact giant, uh, breaks the jail open, and they all peer outside to see the madness. So as a three-headed bird lands on Gideon's hand, he says, oh, Bill came through. And so I literally happy. wrote, like, what a psycho. Like, how do you see <laughs> the entire... Like, I don't care how evil you are, man. Like, you literally just saw all of reality. Like, how was this your goal, dude? What? I don't understand. Yeah, the- Gideon needs therapy. Uh, <laughs> I think... A um, short of it. <laughs> He, I, I, I can't, I cannot, um, what is it? Condone this behavior? I cannot, no matter how likable he is. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, Bill Cipher asks his friends, his chaotic friends, if they're ready to cause some havoc and Dipper watches from a distance as Ford pulls out his quantum destabilizer. He says, we basically have one chance to take this shot. It's designed with a perfect triangle shape to, Take out Bill. And right as Ford is about to take the shot, a a huge like church bell behind him comes to life in the most cartoonish way. It's like, oh, I'm alive now. And completely <laughs> throws off Ford. He misses and the shot goes through Bill's hat instead of his body. So I just need to say, this is one of those times where Gravity Falls is so expertly written until they really need something to happen. And then they're just like, ah, oh, just have something come behind a life behind him and screw up his shot. Can't, can't end know, the show here. Like, that would be, that would be lame. I actually don't mind it. Um, just because I, fine. the world is constantly moving and changing right now. There's so many weird things happening left and right. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for something like that to happen. I suppose not. I think it was just like, uh, it was easy. It was too easy is what I was thinking. It was easy, um, but it pays, in my opinion. uh, Because Bill Cipher immediately turns around. We weirdly see like flesh in the hat and it just regenerates itself. That was one of the things I was going to say where we like really understand. It's not just flesh. We see his bone reform too. It's wild. He's got a hat bone. Bill immediately fires a beam back that destroys this tower, which I'm now thinking might be an actual church because of that bell. Um, Ford passes Dipper his journals and says, hey, there's one other way to defeat Bill. And before he tells him how, uh, Bill Cipher appears right behind him and Dipper runs off. And this is where Dipper makes a very critical mistake in the episode. He should have just gone and not tried to save Ford. It works last time. Ford tried to tell him go, and he chased after the aliens, the droids, and he was actually able to stop it. And now he's got this false sense of confidence. He should have gotten out of there, uh, and he didn't. So that is kind of where all hell starts to break loose. Because we see Bill Cipher say to Ford, Hey, old Six Fingers, I've been waiting an eternity to have a chat face-to-face. Done, done, done. Done. Yeah, and this is like a pinnacle moment after everything that we've been teased leading up to this point. He tells his henchmen that they owe Ford thanks because he is the brainiac who built the portal in the first place. And Bill says, hey, not too late to join us with that sixth finger. You'd fit right in with my freaks. And And honestly, when he put him in front of everybody, I was like, yo, Loki, you got an option here. Oh, I'm just saying. 
You know, you got the brains of the operation. You might be able to do some damage. I don't know. <laughs> but wouldn't it be fun? Come but on, it Ford. Be cool. It'd be nice. Just join the party <laughs> with these like crazy chaos gods for the rest of your life. It's not the worst but option. Bill knows he's not going to agree to this. He just wanted an opportunity to call him a freak and thought that was yeah. an easy way to get another jab in. You um, know, I, I actually think Bill would have taken him as one of his his people. I really do. You think Bill would have trusted that he wasn't just lying? I, I don't know how you yeah, could. But he can, like, I mean, nah, but like, I think Bill would have been fine with that. He's a chaos god, you know? That's true. He's all about the chaos. All right, yeah, I can hear like, a case for it. Yeah, like, I think he would have literally signed him on knowing he would have been, tr like, he would have tried to use him for his own plans. 100%. And maybe in an alternate universe, but not in this one. Uh, Ford says, I would rather die. I know your weaknesses, Bill. Lame. And... I'm, just, I'm sorry. <laughs> God. You're like, wow, what a boring old loser. What a nerd. Like, get some friends. You've well, got just, friends. Like, kind of a bad decision to, not, not to not take up Bill, but to just like straight up be like, I would rather die. Like, yeah, dude, not why even do you have to phrase like that like he could just kill you right now like heroes man they feel that's like i'm a hero does. that's not that's not braving the impossible that's just making a dumbass choice i'm a gryffindor i'm a leo i have to make sure that you know that i'm the brave courageous one in this situation yeah well the thing about gryffindors is if they didn't have like them being the one on their side they never would have made it true uh <laughs> and uh I would. I think that a lot of people argue against Gryffindors in the first place. Um, well, I mean, I, it's just a it's a silly personality test at the end of the day. It is accurate, and so are horoscopes. Uh, all anything, right, uh, it's it's horrible that uh, on the first day of school, all of these elementary school children are all just harshly judged and placed in front of an entire crowd of their peers. Ah, uh, something to think about. Uh, <laughs> Bill knows a riddle. He says, "Why'd the old man do this?" Force like a what? And he, he shoots him, up. turns him into a statue, and back scratcher. turns him into a back scratcher. Wild. Yeah. I feel like yeah. this is a pretty cool villain move. Yeah, it really is. Uh, partially because I feel like now we've seen it before, so we're just kind of having a laugh and enjoying our podcast. But like, in all honesty, you're watching this for the first time, you're like, oh my god. Like, our main protagonist, who's the most capable of everybody, just literally got taken out of the equation on episode one. That's kind of scary. I love that creative choice so much. I do, too. You know, we brought Ford into this, like, show late. Yeah. I give it to the stars. Let, like, the main characters of this show win it in the end. I think if Ford had been a big part of it, then I, I would have been maybe a little bit disappointed by that in a weird way. Like, this is Dipper and Mabel's story with Grunkle, Stan, Seuss, and Wendy associated as well. Uh, I love, love, love that this oh, is where we go. We're going to talk about who the actual true hero of the story is, and I will tell you that in a moment. Fantastic. So Dipper, being Dipper, has not gone away. So he watched all of this, and he jumps out. He's like, Bill, hand me my uncle or else... Uh, <laughs> and I love this scene too. This is, this is wild. It's again, heroes, dude. Like they think that they gotta no, just that's do still, the right that's thing. That's a stupid choice. Hero, heroes try to brave the impossible, not just kill, just walk up and get killed. That's terrible. True. 
true heroes. Yes, that's the problem. Is the the label of hero makes people do stupid things because they think they need to be a hero. Okay, but like hero, real heroes act with intelligence. The people who just you know brazenly walk into a dumb situation, those are the people you put on the front lines of your war because you want them to be bodies. Yeah, the ones who want to be the heroes. Yeah, like oh, uh, let's get all these young bucks and put them on the front line so they're all the ones who take the take the bullets for us. Well, this is literally what Dipper does, and he's one of the only people that can really solve this. And what and happens? He gets honestly, he gets lucky that this is not worse. Yeah, uh, but what happens is Bill is obviously non-threatened. Um, yeah. You know, he he's not he hasn't been worried about any of this. As far as he's concerned, he already has control and this is over. Um, so Bill is like, oh, my old puppet's back for an encore. Hey, go ahead. Stop me right now, punk. Don't you think you can stop me? Aren't you uh, confident? Like, and he just starts like really going at him. Like, what hey, you little do, nerd. Pine tree, show me what you got. I'm so into it. And, and Loki, he closes the book and just jumps up to punch him in the eye. Which is the stupidest idea, but it was kind of cool. Because <laughs> he got go like he 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 was goaded on, right? Yeah. It, it was like Bill did exactly what he was trying to do, get Dipper to just make a stupid choice. Cause Dipper is like frantically skimming through the book, like, I don't know what to do. So I am just going to go to my animalistic instincts that I learned in the Manitar episode and go for a punch. Oh, by the way, we saw a Manitar running around oh, uh right when we're gonna get started. Oh, Good catch. I'm so glad you noticed. Yeah, those we things. saw Manitar and the gnomes run past Dipper and Grunkle, uh, Grunkle Ford while they were uh, discussing. It was pretty good. Totally missed the Manitar. Nice catch. Yeah. Uh, so Bill points to Ford and is like, hey, this is what happens to heroes in my world. And he's kind of right, uh, especially based on the criteria of heroes that I keep getting angry about. Uh, well, that's not what a good hero does. I well, that's actually, I guess if people... we look at the hero's journey, Luke Skywalker was pretty dumb. Harry Potter didn't have the brightest. You know, maybe actually we, we don't have a good track record with heroic <laughs> people. Maybe something to consider. Uh, <laughs> Bill Cipher burns the journals, dude. I forgot about this, honestly. Yeah. That that's that was the big like oh crap moment for me. Uh, oh. That's that really makes you feel like oh no, this is this is really awful. Like this is scary bad. What are what is what are our protagonists gonna do? Like I'm worried now. Watching this for the first time, it's literally just every domino that falls is against the protagonist. And you're just yeah. like, oh my gosh, everything that could be going wrong is just consistently going wrong. And the journals are Dipper's power, and he is immediately removed from them with yeah. No hope. And Bill knows that that is completely debilitating to Dipper so much to where he's like, great, you're not worth my time anymore. We don't need to take care of you because your only weapon is gone. How do you feel about that, loser? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of right at this moment. Um, He's like, cool, let's go back to partying. Uh, hey, uh, eight ball and... Oh, actually... I take it back a little bit because he does offer Dipper up as a, as a snack to two of his henchmen, eight ball and teeth. That's true. Um, they are the ones who dropped the eight ball on that one. <laughs> Ching. All right. Doing too much cocaine. No, I'm just kidding. Jeez. All right. They, they had no uh, appetite. <laughs> I, I was. I would rather go with an eight ball joke than a cocaine joke. How about uh, the what? What do eight balls say? Um, outlook not so good. Yeah, that's pretty funny. There we go. Uh, so the hench maniacs, except for Eight Ball and Teeth, who were about to cannibalize this child, 
Uh, they roll out on a cool car. Uh, it's a pretty cool car. It is a pretty cool car. And they've got good music. Again, it, pretty sick to be Bill right now, not gonna lie. It is. And just like you uh, noticed in the theme song, we see a journal page burning that says, do not summon at all costs with the picture of Bill Cipher. Um, so good. Awkward for that to be the page that survives. Yeah. Awesome imagery. Um, I'm a sucker for good imagery. I'll say that too. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the Gravity Falls news reporter is now reporting through a TV, uh, basically talking about Weird Mageddon. Uh, she's explaining the situation, and I think that she doesn't even have hair when you look at the television. So the world's in chaos. We see the pizza guy of Gravity Falls get zapped by a laser from one of the eyeball bats, and he gets frozen as well. Uh, and we yeah. see Dipper trying to get a hold of Mabel on a walkie-talkie. Uh, he's basically saying, I can't find you or Grunkle Stan, but whatever happens, I will find you. No way you caused this situation. You're just an innocent victim here. No, specifically, no way you could have done this. <laughs> Boy, no, I almost wish that was in the dialogue. That would be so campy. So uh, he he goes out, he feels like he's all alone, and he sees Gravity Malls, which is, of course, the mall of the town. And uh, That's hilarious. He runs- I didn't notice that was the name. Yeah, he actually, I only noticed it when I went back to look at the wiki for trivia. That's pretty good. Uh, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. So he runs toward it, and then an arm creature. So how do I explain this? A creature approaches him that it's, is an arm with a it's face. A he- it's a head with an arm coming out of the top. That's a better way. Do you think, okay, maybe that's it. <laughs> okay, what came from, is it an arm with a face or is it a face with an arm? Uh, tell us no, about it's, it's a head. It has a chin. It's got a skull. It's it's a whole head. It's not just a face. If it was I an disagree. arm with a face, it would look like fingers from uh, 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 Dead End Paranormal Park. Okay, that that's true. But no, th- this... Mm, uh, okay, it has I hair! I still feel like this is an arm that has a head. Well, either way... Uh, it's awkwardly a Louis C.K. cameo that uh, wish nobody wishes was there anymore. Uh, that is entirely true. Uh, yeah. So, a little bit of a backstory. They did change the voice, so the voice we hear on this episode is not him anymore. Not if uh, you watch the re- version I did. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, Lou saw the original version. And, uh, and I'll also cut ahead and say the end credit scene is also the same character, which is even yeah. worse in my opinion, because it's just like 30 seconds of originally Louis C.K. talking. It's and pretty awkward, I won't lie. The part that's the worst about it is not just the fact that his voice is in it. It's the things that he's saying, considering the things that he did. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm all about separating the art from the artist in, in, a cer- in certain contexts, right? Yep. Um, I, I think for me, Rick and Morty is a really good example. Because for me, like going back and watching Rick and Morty actually fundamentally changes because the things that the dude who got in trouble, what the thing, you can look it up. I don't want to explain it all to you, but like the things that the dude did that got him canceled, like make the, sum of the jokes in original Rick and Morty, like really awful. You know what I mean? It's like, because... Oh, this guy's not joking. He's actually a terrible person. And that makes it not funny because you know that he's really a, a piece of crap in real life. You know yeah. what I mean? yeah um so like going so so there are episodes of rick and morty that i can laugh at because it's not related but if it is related then i'm like okay i can't separate the artist from the art because the artist is being crappy in the art you know what i mean yep 
Uh, and I don't need to explain what he says. Like, y'all have seen the episode, or you can if you want to, but uh, it, it definitely is an uncomfortable sequence, both in the end credits and as it's happening. Oh my god, I didn't even think about it. Oh, I was just about to be like, he only says this, and I'm like, oh crap, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so anyway, bad. But, oh my, okay, you have to look it up, everybody. It's actually really funny when you think about it like that. <laughs> it depends on whether you think it's funny or not. <laughs> so uh, I mean, I'll leave the choice it's, to you. It's, it's funny how awful it is. I have a, yeah. I have a sick sense of humor. Don't don't learn from me. Right. I mean, it's just like it's unfortunate. Like, oh god, god. like <laughs> it really <laughs> it, it so could not have made it any worse. <laughs> Woo! Oh man, that is uh, that is that is not funny. All you really all. need to know is that this arm face, whatever it is, uh, tries to chase Dipper into the mall, almost gets him, but it doesn't. And he squeezes into the uh, sliding doors in front of the mall. Yeah, realistically, a pretty pointless cameo, all things considered, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Doesn't end up having much uh, plot relevance at all. So Dipper's in there, and he finds some nachos and takes them. Come on, Dipper. I mean, he's hungry. He needs food. He's a boy. But it's just sitting out there like it's so obviously a trap. You're in an apocalypse. You think this random bowl of nachos survived and is perfectly fresh? What? Why not? It, it's weird Mageddon. Maybe they just, something else got turned into the nachos. That's realistic. The nachos could be a creature. Like, there's so many. I, I don't know. I guess you are hungry if you've been going through this and you got to eat eventually. I'll give him yeah. some snack. Yeah, man. He went to a department store. You know, if you're basing this on Stephen King novel logic, that's a perfectly safe choice. I guess so. And this place is destroyed. Like, let's be clear. It definitely looks like walking dead grocery store where everything is off the shelves. And, uh, you know, so this thing is just sitting here on a silver platter waiting for him. So he goes over there and he gets trapped. Thankfully, it is not a creature of any kind or Bill Cipher or anyone. It is Wendy that has basically set herself up for this apocalypse. Um, yeah, who, and I said I was going to say who the true story, the hero of the story is, and it's flipping Wendy. It absolutely. is so easily Wendy. I have such a heavy case for if Wendy wasn't in this story, they would have absolutely never saved anybody. Yeah, she saves Dipper here. Uh, so she's hiding in a plant. She comes out. She's like, oh, Dipper, good. It's you. No problem. Uh, gets him out. And she tells him, my parents made us do apocalypse training instead of Christmas every year. I guess it paid off. Which is pretty funny. Yeah, I guess it did. Uh, so she, after she frees him, uh, he says he's just really happy to see a familiar face. And I will say, I really liked this episode and the dynamic between Dipper and Wendy. Because that he says true. a lot of things where, back when he had like a major crush on her, it would have been very awkward. But he means this. He is like, literally, I have not seen a single person that I know. I've been worried that all of them are gone. And just yeah. seeing somebody that is not is like just the biggest sigh of relief yeah i'm um, really glad the writers decided not to ruin this scene <laughs> yeah i totally agree uh because they could have really, they could have botched really it organic and it's really nice uh and toby determined is there for some reason <laughs> yeah yeah they bring in toby determined as a character in this episode I think it's just to try to make it more of a zombie apocalypse thing. Oh, it's not just the two of them. It's a group, but we can't introduce the other characters yet. So we're just going to get this throwaway news reporter uh, and give him a small role. And he is in the plot way longer than I ever would have expected for somebody of his tiny minor character significance. I agree. But that's one thing I like about the show is they do have a lot of side characters and give them the spotlight pretty often. 
Yeah, it was fun. Um, so Dipper, Wendy, and the new hero, Toby Determined, they all run off to her hideout that she has built in this mall. The um, new hero. <laughs> what, what, yeah, and Wendy explains that her friends were all playing Truth or Dare when the eyeballs froze Nate, Lee, Tambry, and Thompson. And at that moment, I'm thinking, oh, Robbie's still still good? And she's like, nah, Robbie almost got away, but he paused to take a selfie. So sorry, Robbie. He deserved it. Yep. Uh, so That's all good. these characters we know are frozen. And I kind of like this uh, thing where they're sharing stories. They're like, where were you when the apocalypse happened? Which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, Dipper explains what happened, that he was in a fight with Mabel. Uh, and then they got separated and suddenly she was gone. And Wendy's like, oof, man. Yeah, that's pretty um, rough. Yeah, let's get some fresh air, man. And uh, then we see Toby Determined is now dressed like a goth and wants to be called Bodacious T. They say, we will not call you that. I will call him that, except for I already forgot what he did. I, I forgot immediately after. I wrote down, I'll call you that, but then I forgot. Really? I, I'll never forget Bodacious T. Uh, they sit outside, just uh, Dipper and Wendy. Uh, Wendy says those death metal album covers got the end of the world surprisingly correct. Uh, Dipper used to think he could uh, get out of anything. But now the journals are gone. Ford is captured and he cannot find his family. He feels like it's over. They lost. And Wendy immediately, again being awesome, is like, hold on, man. You beat Bill twice before. What's different here? Uh, well, Dipper says, I had Mabel then, which is true. Um, and Wendy's like, you know what? That is true. Time to find her. Because uh, I have never seen anything like you and your sister. Of all the amazing things I've seen this summer, okay, you so two work together. Part one. Wendy saves Dipper. Part two, she motivates Dipper to do what they actually need to do and guides him. When If she wasn't there, homie would have been screwed. Never would have made it past this episode. Apocalypse can, it just goes Bill's way. Yep, if there is one weakness of the series of Gravity Falls, and I mean it, um, I mean, we'll say the Dipper-Wendy plotline, but it's that they didn't choose to spend more of Wendy's time as a character doing different things. Uh, like, I think that we could have gotten a lot more character moments out of Wendy beyond just that plot line. And she Hear has me cool out. moments in the series. Imagine, just imagine that instead of, I don't know, there was a little screen time with, uh, Wendy. How did they spend that screen time again? Oh yeah, they made her a completely unrealistic and cringe love interest that was complete. Okay, look, I understand the plot in it existing. You could have made it exist. But my God, you could have chopped it down so much more and given Wendy so many more cool scenes that led up to this so that it felt like it came out of nowhere a little bit less. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I feel like Wendy had so much potential and we could have seen more of these types of moments uh, and it would have made it even cooler now. But regardless, it doesn't take away how from uh, how uh, awesome it is now. Um, sure. And Ooh, I agree with that. We see... Uh, Dipper look over to this big monster tearing up some things and he sees the orb containing Mabel and he knows it's her because of the logo of her sweater uh, in the front. Yep. And it is not Dipper, but Wendy who has yep. an idea before we go to our next scene. Let's go jack a car from a car dealership that was broken down. That's right. So again, part three, she comes up with the plan Yep. to get them out of this. All right. But meanwhile, Bill Seifert and his henchmen are partying. They are spinning a frozen statue of Lazy Susan. Uh, and I guess I shouldn't say statue. It really is her. She's just frozen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of the henchmen eats the other in the middle of the party. And yeah, I'm pretty sure was, they don't come back. It was a pretty intense game of spin the bottle. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, they get a knock. 
And I bet that you like this because they you, the the knock is, hey, this is the police, the time police. And yeah. Bill is like, oh, time to ditch the time punch and let me do the talking. Yeah, I, I've been Bill in this situation before. I bet that you were able to talk your way out of it. And Bill... You damn right I was able to talk my way out of it. And I don't think that Bill talked his way out because... No, he just did the equivalent of opening fire on them instead. (laughs) That's right. So Time Baby is there. The police force is there. One of them says, Bill is in violation of the rules of space-time and possessing the body of a time officer, Blendon Blandon. Uh... The Time Baby says, if this continues, it could destroy the very fabric of existence in Time Baby's deep-ass voice. Um, Bill obliterates all of them immediately. Does not even waste time. Except Blendon Blandon survived. Right, which I'm sure will be important. I forget how. Um, But the henchmen are like, oh, you just killed all those people. The Time Authority, like, you did that. Woo! So happy! (laughs) <laughs> bring back the time punch that's right uh and uh, at that moment though we do get eight ball and teeth two of the t- uh, henchmen come back to say that dipper got away but bill is not worried because he has got someone on the case and that's where we go back to wendy and dipper at this abandoned car lot uh oh and goth toby deterp sorry and bodacious tea uh thank you th- yeah you, you got it um, they look at some free cars right for the hot wiring. And uh, Toby, he's thinking, ooh, I want this air freshener over here. Uh, and then he gets hit by a dart. <laughs> he's like, I can take more, or it'll take more than one of those to get me. And of course, like 10 of them, and he's down. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's the rest of the end of Toby Disturbed for this episode. Yeah. Turns out um, it's a bunch of the, it's the prison gang that broke out and Gideon is leading them. Definitely. Uh, so Wendy and Dipper realize they're under attack uh, by Gideon and his gang of inmates. Gideon says that Bill Cipher has appointed him master of the wastelands to protect Mabel's bubble from Dipper. Uh, and the way that he logicked his way through this is, oh, like, you're keeping your woman safe. Uh, and Gideon's like, yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, and actually the fact that, well, we get a little chase scene before the logicking, right? Uh, well, I mean, we at least get teased with it, that this is the reason that Bill is here. Oh, okay, I see. I thought you were going into the, the talking down that he gets already. No, not just yet. Uh, Gideon has what this little key wrapped around his neck. Uh, there's a joke about him not having a real neck. And nice. Dipper, Dipper says that he has no right to uh, keep her here. Um and this is where, I guess, Bill had explained to Gideon, oh, she was always destined to be yours. Uh, and that's how uh, th- this sort of happened. So Ghost Eyes, uh, our lovable prison guard, or prisoner, uh, preps <laughs> to escort all of them to Bill's dungeon. Uh, but we get another great moment from Wendy. She's like, no, I'm a flipping corduroy. And you know that the writers meant a different word than flippin'. She immediately knocks him out. He means fucking. Oh my god. <laughs> you can't stop yourself. <laughs> you teach me um, And immediately she just... Uh, you threw me off with your profanity. <laughs> Good. 
She knocks him out, flips out of the situation, attacks Gideon, takes the key, holds him hostage. They run to the car. She drop kicks him back. And then they take off in a getaway. Unbelievable. Incredible. And again, no way, no way would they have gotten out of that situation if she hadn't managed to do that whole sequence. Dipper tells Wendy at this point, Wendy, you are the coolest person I know. And again, they did a good job with this because it's not cringy. He doesn't say it like, oh, I still have a crush on you. No, it's just just a fact. Yeah, I I agree. I thought that that was done really well. And also she kind of objectively is like the coolest person in the story, you know? Yeah, and probably the coolest person in the town, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) and one of the most skilled. Absolutely. Definitely. She knows it too. She's like, I know, dude. Tell me about it later. And they, they go. Yep. So the car that they're in looks like kind of an old cop car. It's been vandalized. It definitely like looks apocalypse ready. Um, but they're getting chased now because, uh, you know, they didn't kill Gideon. They only drop kicked him. So he's back at it and he's with his prison crew. Um, and they all have cars and motorcycles and tough guy things. Um, now safety first though, ghost eyes does make sure to put Gideon in a car seat before they take off. Ridiculous. So funny. Unnecessary. <laughs> uh, Dipper says all they need to do is outrace the henchmen, find Mabel, and save the world. Not too hard. Um, but he asks Wendy if she ever got her driver's license, and uh, no, she says. But listen, she's even killing cool- it. Even cooler. Yeah, she swerves around the living arm, which comes back for a second. Glad we're past that. And uh, yeah, no, <laughs> she's driving great. Um, Ghost Eyes asks Gideon in the car behind them, so why would you keep your girlfriend prisoner? And he's like, have we, the prisoners, become the wardens? And Gideon goes, she loves me. She just doesn't know it yet. Quit the philosophy. And And he uh, says, philosophy was my major. Which, how relatable. That hit for me. Philosophy was my major, and I very well could have been arrested in college. So it worked out. Yeah, you are the person asking questions when people are tired of hearing them. It's true. (laughs) And also Uh, being objectively right. Well, (laughs) all right, ghost eyes. Let's go to prison. (laughs) Uh, Wendy, after this moment, and that was an important moment, I should say, because I do think it primes Gideon a little bit to be, oh man, a person who's a friend of mine, who's close to me, thinks that I might be wrong here and ask me a question, but I'm not going to think about it too hard. I've got things to do. Yeah. Also, I love that we identify his prison friends as somebody close to him. But because it's true, like they establish such great chemistry with each other. Like, actually, they do. I love it, honestly. Yeah. Um, So at this moment, though, the episode gets really, really awesome and has some of my favorite moments ever in the show. Um, And I love when shows do this. It's the animation changes, right? Yeah. Um, Wendy drives into these field of bubbles, which we've kind of established are these reality altering portals just for a second. Yeah. And first one they go through. I I wrote them all down in sequence. I want you to explain them because I have a feeling that you'll do a better job. Oh, well, it's really just a bunch of different animation and style changes as far as like artistically. That's kind of what I was thinking of. Um, Mm -hmm. They turn into birds. They turn into anime people. They turn into meat. What was the last one I wrote? Live I action, actual oh, people. Yeah, live action. That's what I meant to write. And, and then uh, after they drive through, then we see Gideon's car follow and they go CGI 
gender swap and then old timey like the classic like uh you know 1940s animation yeah no i so that's um that, that that's what i wrote down to you i i have a feeling that the cgi one you're talking about was specifically trying to go for minecraft style animation in my opinion uh well at the time <laughs> at the time i feel like animate cgi animation in in like tv was generally not very good that's true so like they could have just been going for planet sheen also <laughs> might have just been the best that they could deal with their yeah <laughs> I don't know. I felt like it know. looked Robloxy, Minecraft, that type That's of vibe. Fair. But... That's fair. It could they could have been going for that. Yeah. So I no, I love this scene. Yeah, the very first one, they just become birds for a moment, and it's like, whoa, this is kind of weird. Yeah. But when when they pop through that second set of bubbles, the anime looks so interesting. The meat, it sh it gives <laughs> you an ook feeling, you know. Yeah. And then the live action, and the best part about this, those were their actual voice actors. That was Jason Ritter and Lit uh, Linda Cardinelli. I thought that was the case, yeah. That, that was that was really funny that they decided to put that in there. Yeah, that was my favorite of all of them. I, I did also, I loved the, um, uh, the old-timey one, too, because they yeah, went with too. a silent, fil silent film vibe um, yeah. where they just showed an image of them screaming like the, the quote like ah in a yeah. slide yeah 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 no i i wrote gideon and ghost eyes become minecraft women in the 1940s and i thought that was a killer band name minecraft women in the 1940s yeah that actually does sound like a really good band name i'm telling you there's there's commentary um, hidden in there i'm sure uh, so Wendy now, uh, after all of these animation changes, does see an opening where there's, you know, the classic cartoon trope where you've got a, a big cavern separating two sides. You've got your big cliff in the middle and there's this perfect jumping off point. Just got to take the car and go right over it. It would never work in practice unless you're uh, the one guy who actually did that. Dukes um, of Hazard moment. That's that's the canon you're thinking of. Well, no, but there was a real guy, Evil Knievel, who attempted uh, a True. very similar stunt. But he, but an animation. Well, I mean, there are a lot of stunt people that do stuff like that and have done sure. stuff like uh, that. He might uh, I'll tell you what. Wendy lands it, um, but the car rolls and it looks like a pretty bad accident. Um, Dipper crawls out and, and he sees Mabel's orb and he's like, oh my god, we're so close. But... That he sees a figure standing in a dark cloak. And who is it, Lou? Death. He died. The car accident was the end. Bye, everybody. Gravity Falls is over. The ghost of Christmas future is there to haunt. Happy holidays, everybody. It's oh the my holiday God. episode. I watched Spirited. Have you seen Spirited? Um, I've heard of Spirited. I have not it's, seen it. It's Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds doing a, like, sequel retelling of The Christmas Carol. You liked it. Um, I'm not gonna go that far, but it was definitely entertaining. <laughs> Why did you bring it up? You brought it up like, dude, I watched a movie. Well, because it, I watched a Christmas film. movie. That's that's weird for me. <laughs> All right. Um, and I didn't know if you'd seen it before. If you had seen it, you would have been like, oh my god, that movie is ridiculous. And I would have been like, right? Okay. I, I'm here for a ridiculous time, especially for holiday specials. You'll probably um, like it then. I, I will not tell you anything about it. It's on Apple listen, Plus, I think. 
everybody, I thought, you know, with the holidays coming up, we weren't going to have time for this episode. And I was going to give like some kind of a bonus special holiday thing. I was brainstorming and I'm like, you know what? They, they've gone through enough bonus episodes. It's time to get to the finale. Yeah, yeah, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll do. We'll, we'll do it live. Yeah. If you're looking for a holiday episode, go to the Expedition cartoon feed. Bingo. Um, okay. So it is not death. In fact, it is Seuss. Yeah. Uh, not Dr. Seuss. No, nope. This is uh, plain old Seuss, whose last name I don't think we know. I was going to drop it there. Um, you know, we probably do know it, but I don't remember what it is. You know what? Actually, we do know it because it showed up on his driver's license. I I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, Ramirez, I was right. <laughs> so Seuss says, oh, hey, handyman of the apocalypse at your service. And... He says that he's been wandering the plains like a desperado, very casually. You know, helping strangers. I think they've wrote some uh, folk songs about me. Dude, this is the arc that Seuss has been dying for his whole life. This, I, this... I love it so much. It's, yeah. I, I seriously do. I do too. It's uh, it, it's just like classic quintessential Seuss. And it's, it's real. It's like, oh my god, the apocalypse is here. And Seuss has become a folk hero in like 22 minutes yep. of uh, screen time. I can't wait. To, time. I, I want to hear a song that they write about him. You know. Speaking of songs, okay, I've got a thing that you need to look up right when this is over. Okay. Did you know that there is a three-minute villain song from Bill Cipher that was cut from this episode, all about Weird Mageddon? They didn't no. have enough time to fill it. I'm totally. It is on that YouTube. Up. That's awesome. Yes. Um, I feel like uh. <laughs> I wonder what the chances would be of copyright flagging it if I were to play it right now. Pretty likely. Yeah, I guess we probably couldn't. Um, we'll save it. But I, I'm going to recommend everybody go to YouTube and look this up. Um, I, I have not seen it yet, by the way. I have not. Uh, but I wanted to tell you about it, and we can watch it afterward. I feel like you're already it. on it. I see your eyes, and you're like, Yeah, I, I found it. I think I found it. Unused demo song. Yep. Could be. I'm not sure if they made animation for it. That is, does it look like it or no? No. No, okay. there's no animation for it. Interesting. I'm telling you, you could screen share this and I could try it. Uh, I've heard podcasters uh, get away with having songs on their podcast before. I mean, we could give it a shot. I don't want you to get copyright flagged, but. Um, I could maybe pull it I up shouldn't. if you want. Yeah. Not worth it. All right. Um, I'll cut this part. Uh, but I, I will make sure that everybody knows that that's in there. Cool. Um, all right. Sorry. All right. So, uh, Seuss also is apparently able to be a doctor, essentially. So he goes over to Wendy's arm and he's like, all right, good news, good news. The arm's okay. Uh, the bad news is we're surrounded. Uh, and immediately, we've got Gideon and, you know, his group of disgruntled prisoners all around. Yeah, and uh, I will say, I didn't remember how they got out of this, and the way that they do it, I thought was really smart. I like it, too. It could have been really phoned in, but I, I did like it. So, uh, basically, Gideon is like, hey, thought you had the jump on me, but this isn't your Gravity Falls anymore. Out here, I win. He blows a, blows a silly little horn. Um <laughs> He says, Bill's henchbats will be here any minute, and then Mabel's all mine. 
And then Dipper asks, is she though? He goes, if I've learned anything this summer, it's that you can't force someone to love you. The best you can do is strive to be someone worthy of loving. Now, what I will say, that is a great line, but I don't remember there ever actually being an episode of Dipper trying to force anyone to like him. Could be wrong. Was there? Maybe there was. Okay, I see your point. Um, I mean, I th- hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I think maybe that's the hope that you cling on to. Like, if I just keep trying really hard, eventually yeah. they will like me. It's not. You know, so he maybe. Wait, maybe there was an episode where he like tried to like wish for Wendy to fall in love with him or something. The love god one. He might have. I'd be shocked oh, if shoot. he didn't you know, think about it in that did. episode. Yeah. Well, never mind. Yeah. No, you're right. I think he strongly considered it, and then it ended well, up I in guess, people's hands. I guess if there was one thing he learned, that was the one that stuck, which I suppose is probably a good thing. And you know what, dude? He's right. Like, I love this line, genuinely. Um, I do too. I guess that is something people need to learn. It really is kind of the philosophy of start with yourself first. And if you are somebody worthy of loving and you do strive to be that best person, even if it doesn't work out with the exact person you will you think of, you might have some heartbreak along the way, but it's going to work out eventually with someone. Um, yeah. And you can't just like do what Dipper did. Or, obviously, what Gideon is trying to do here. Um, I also want to say, everyone is worthy of love, just not necessarily romantic, like, monogamous love. Because that's got its whole set of conditions that's totally different. That is a great point, and love is a complicated word. And I do think there's meaning romantic love in this case. Yeah, yeah, An important distinction. Yeah. I just, I like making, because a lot of people struggle with feeling like they're not worthy of love. And it's well, like, ju- just because you get broken up with in your life doesn't mean you're not worthy of love. For example, though, uh, Gideon even says, hey, the prisoners love me. And he's right. Dipper's like, yeah. Yeah. Ma- you know, but Mabel doesn't because you're selfish. <laughs> and But he's not know, that selfish because he's cool to the prisoners. No, I'm just kidding. Honestly, selfish is the wrong word in a way because uh, Mabel doesn't like him for a lot of other reasons. He's also yeah. like very forward and not respectful of boundaries or the yeah. word no. Um, and I will also say being a good person is also not going to make somebody like you. Yeah, it's not a guarantee. And yeah, there's a lot of people who tread along just expecting that to be the be all end all. End all. And then along the way, they become a not so good people sometimes. So you don't want to yeah. fall into that trap either. Or they just um, get bitter. Even if they're an okay person, they just get mad that they're like, I'm so nice. Why doesn't the world treat me well? It's because the world sucks. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Don't be bitter about it. Don't uh, be bitter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Dipper, though, you know, he's saying... Uh, Ah, sorry. Um, sorry, I'm off my game today. I keep uh, stumbling over my notes. It's because there's so much okay. in this episode. Yeah. Um, Dipper says, Bill thinks there's no heroes in the world, but if we work together and fight back, we can actually beat him. And he tells Gideon, if you want to be Mabel's hero, stand up and let us save her. And Gideon, it's actually finally starting to get through to him. And honestly, I think Dipper's delivery here, it's not super corny. It's making a lot of sense. Like, yeah. you you can even imagine how a character like Gideon, who's so annoying and, you know, I, I guess um, not willing to listen so often. You can yeah. get how it's starting to get through to him a little bit. If his real goal really is Mabel. If it's yeah. not about the whole villain thing. And that's what I like about this is uh, it feels genuine. It doesn't feel like we're just shoehorning this in. 
That's the best way to beat a villain, everybody. You need to play into their values. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, he's still thinking uh, a good question, though. Uh, what would Bill do to me if I uh, backed away from this? Ghost Eyes is like, oh, are you afraid of him? He's like, mm, it's complicated. <laughs> Dude, I would have turned to Noah Ghost Eyes and been like, are you not? This yeah. man is the god of, like, everything that's just... He's created the apocalypse, dude. Yes, I am. Maybe Ghost Eyes is just Christ asking a philosophical question to get Gideon to think. Yeah. That's he is a philosophy true. major. I mean, the answer is uh, a simple yes. Yes, true. Uh, so, Dipper says, if all this is for Mabel, ask yourself what Mabel would want you to do. And uh, Gideon takes a look at uh, a callback from a previous episode where it was the talk of the town that Gideon and Mabel were dating. And she looks at the pic he looks at the pictures of the news reporter uh, that had taken uh, this article or written this article. And you see the picture of Mabel just so visibly uncomfortable. And at that moment, you kind of see him get it. Yeah, like, he does kind of get it. Like, oh, oh man, I suck. <laughs> yeah, it's like, she doesn't want this. <laughs> so... He's still Gideon, so he asked Dipper, will you tell her what I did if I help? You know, yeah. still trying to maybe get something. But uh, Dipper says, yeah, man. And Gideon gets into action. New plan. We can't let that dumb triangle be the warden. Ready for an old-fashioned prison brawl, buddies? And they're behind him. Dude, one of the prison guards even says, yeah, fighting kids is lame. Fighting a chaos of God? That's awesome. I'm like, yes! <laughs> That's right. That is the mentality. Why are the prisoners the most relatable people in this show for me? And the prisoners roll out. Um, and Seuss is like, oh, good. I thought I was going to have to throw down. Which I'm disappointed Dude, that we didn't see. I am too. I want to see Seuss fight. But that's okay. I think that's what would have happened too. Seuss, with all of his new acquired skills, would have just like beat up all of them and gotten them out of the situation. <laughs> yeah, he just has like a Mask of Zorro moment and just completely like destroys everybody. And they're like, uh, excuse me? Yo, I've been kind of training. Uh, Dipper tells Wendy and Seuss to prepare for whatever is in there. Uh, and they take the key. Seuss says, whatever it is, we'll do it together for Mabel. And they put their hands in. Uh, and I, I love this dude, by the way, because yeah, it's it's a good it's a good uh, cliffhanger. It is. We see Wendy, Seuss, and Dipper, and they've all played different roles in the series, but they've always been there. You know, even though it's been Dipper and Mabel, those yeah. two have been there as well. And they're like, now our group is in this together. Like we are still the D and D ragtag group of uh, adventurers, <laughs> and uh, we're about to walk into the wildest one yet. And they do. They walk in, and we get a to be continued. Yeah, and it was really good. It was a really, I, I thought it was a great cliffhanger. We get an awkward uh, end credit scene with uh, somebody that we've talked enough about. And uh, that's it. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to say that like a lot of, <laughs> this, is a, this is a big finale. So some of these are going to run long. There's a lot for us to get to. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking I'll say the cipher and we'll give our points. But what do you think about sort of holding a longer Journal 4 discussion for once we get through the episodes? Do you not have something for Journal 4? Hell no. Then do you? Do that. I mean, there's a lot to work with in this one, to be honest. Do you think so? I I we guess it depends. like seven interdimensional beings. 
We do, but I, I mean, I don't know if any one is more likely than the others. I think it's more the idea of interdimensional beings in the first place. Are, if you're willing to go there and you've got the time, I'm in. Here, wait, start with the cipher and I'll see if I can find a particular one of them that'll be interesting to talk about. Okay, sounds good. So uh, one of ours writes, it will take 1000 years for Time Baby's molecules to reconstitute. And when he's back, He's going to be very cranky. So That's ridiculous. I guess that's canonical proof that Time Baby isn't literally dead. By the way, we didn't talk about the fact that Bill Cipher canonically killed a baby. Yeah, that's true. Well, but like it's it's like an all-powerful being of like they're not really a baby. I mean, they they were they aren't even born. They're atoms assemble. Well, it's true, and they've been around a long time. And a thousand years is probably nothing for the time baby. So this is proof that eh, yeah. he's coming back. Yeah, but yes, he did kill a baby. I will say that's also true. Yeah, I don't remember if I said that Blendon Blandon went off and he just, like, got out of time dodge and he went somewhere else. So it feels like that's going to be important later. Um, the other cipher that we had in this episode, other than the one I mentioned from the theme song earlier, is game is over and I won. Now it's time to start the fun. I always love corrupting lives. Now let's see which Pines survives. Ooh, let's Can you go. imagine finding that at the end of this episode before the others had aired? You'd be like, oh my god, is one of them going to die? Are we going to lose either Ford, Stan, Dipper, or Mabel? Like, Can you imagine? I wouldn't really be thinking that. I, I don't think we'd ever lose Dipper or Mabel, but I might think to myself, honestly, I could see a world, if Disney allowed it, that we lost either Ford or Stan. Damn. So, I mean, it's not, it's, I think it's technically possible. Um, while you're looking, I'm assuming you already know exactly what you're doing with your character points this episode. Yes, I do. All right. Talk to me. Uh, so I gave two points to, well, I'll say I'll give one point to Wendy because Wendy's one of the most badass characters in the world. Yep. And then I gave my two points to Bill Cipher for unleashing the greatest freaking finale. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Um, oh, yeah, none of this would even happen without him. No one oh. no one could even shine without Bill. Bill did everything. Yeah, he did. I've given Bill his flowers for being there and being awesome. But this is a an episode that had great moments from so many characters. Not as great as Bill. Uh, what about Toby Determined? How about I that for great? Would probably never give him points what about bodacious tea did you actually give to toby determined points maybe you don't know there's no i hope you didn't i did Shame not no that, there's, again there's too many great things ah honestly i've been wavering i feel like dipper wendy and seuss all deserve points this episode i yeah, feel seuss like wasn't in it wasn't in it enough for me even though he had a great moment there there's episodes that we've talked about where that would easily be enough to get two points um true but in this one true um i i did give two points to wendy because this is Wendy's yeah, longest episode and it's hard like i feel like wendy i still believe that she is a very underutilized character earlier in the show and as a result i don't think she has enough points i do think it's very close between her and dipper here because dipper is you know a character who sometimes we crap on a little bit, but he was objectively awesome in this episode. Um, sure. He was pretty willing to give up 
which is why I edged Wendy over him because she really is the reason that all of this ended up working out for the better. Um, but, uh, you know, Dipper was also great and I love his dedication to finding his sister. Um, and for pushing through it, I, I, he loses the point for the, I'm going to go be a hero and get the journals burned. Um, yeah. Yeah. The more I talk through it, it's very easy for me. Two points for Wendy. Uh, yep. One point for Dipper. But I, I'm glad that Bill Cipher is getting two points as well. That's fair. Also, I know what we should talk about for the uh, journal. All right. You, you you got me. Now I'm not going to be able to get out of it on the next few. So uh, journal four, what are we doing? Well, uh, there's so many for us to talk about. And Parallel Dimension Creatures is one thing. But Pacifier, uh, the creepy baby with a pacifier, uh, the devil with devil horns. Um, we never talked about demons. Okay, you're right. Actually, I think you're, I think that's true, and this and, is a perfect episode to do it. Yeah, because they're not only are they parallel dimension creatures, like there's kind of demons, and uh, yeah, let's talk about demons. Awesome. So, I think that when I think of all of Bill's creatures in this episode, um, I don't I don't necessarily know if that's like a good place to start in a weird way, because I think that when we think demons, we think that, but I, what, let well, me ask you this. Yeah. Because we're, we're talking very literally. Oh, we're, we're adding this to journal four. This is something that some people believe is true. How much do you know about what the theory is about demons in general? Like for the people that believe in them, I understand well, it as almost being a religious thing a lot of the time. Like, oh, I believe in the demons that are trying to uh, keep me from God or uh, potentially the demons well, who are just stopping me you, from you know, doing anything. In, you know, people believe in angels. True, but that's kind of what I mean. I, and I that's think actually I, one of the only things that America is the top of, people who believe in angels. Well, and that's what I mean is... From a religious perspective, I think that a lot of the people who believe in demons are the same ones that believe in angels. You know, they believe in the idea of angels and demons, like the good and the bad, the heaven and the hell. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's not necessarily true. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think a lot of people might believe in demons that are not necessarily religious, and they might believe them for other reasons. But I think a lot of it comes down to that. Yeah, I mean, I think the origins of demons do come from stuff like that in latin i think it's like daemon um which uh has something to do with division i don't actually totally remember um i also i, I like i like i like knowing about stuff like this <laughs> sure i actually think it's a prerequisite based on just the simple definition of demons that we're talking about nefarious beings like things that don't necessarily have good intentions do you think that's um, too far of a leap yeah, I do. Okay. Um, because the experience that someone might have with something called a demon, to me, um, in in determining its actual like will of intent, because you, it's like it's like ghosts, right? It's because we had a conversation about ghosts, and I think that people see stuff, and a lot of times they categorize it as ghosts, even if it might not actually be a ghost, even if it is something metaphysical, it doesn't mean it's a ghost, right? Like, oh, I saw a spirit. That doesn't mean you saw a dead human being. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, just okay. because you see a scary looking being doesn't mean that it's a demon. Doesn't mean that it's like evil. You know what I mean? Just because it looks scary to you doesn't mean it's evil. 
You know? I agree with that. So I think where it gets tricky, we're talking about something that some people believe to be real. So, and potentially something that people believe that they've seen. So that's where I can see, oh, people thought they saw a demon and it's something else. But if it's not a demon, aren't we rating something else altogether? Isn't a demon itself, by definition, if it were real, something that is nefarious? Well, see, I guess that's that's where I, this is kind of where I disagree because I, I don't know, I don't really believe in evil completely, oh, to be honest. okay. Um, I just believe in... I believe in profound misunderstandings. But then you would think that a demon is not real because by definition, a demon is something that is nefarious. So if you don't believe in evil, then you would say, no, demons aren't real. But I do believe that there are other creatures that have been mistaken for demons. Well, but the thing is, I don't know if I'd have a better word for them because the physical descriptions that people like. So for example, someone sees something and they call it a demon, right? Mm -hmm. And then everybody, this is like, but what they saw was real. So then they have an image of what it is, right? Sure. And then everybody calls it a demon and also calls it evil, right? But it's actually not evil, but it does exist. And the only okay. word we have for it is a demon. Okay, so, so almost... what else would we call it? You know. Okay, I mean? that's fair. So it's almost like, oh, some, it could even be something literal, like a Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. It's, wait. Uh, <laughs> oh, we know it is the Loch Ness Monster. We know that that's what is going into the journal. But if it turned out that the Loch Ness Monster was something totally different than we understand, we're still calling it that. It just maybe isn't a plesiosaur, as it turns out. So by definition, it can still go in the book as a demon, but we might have a fundamental understanding of what said demon is. Yeah, and I think we should also say that demon is like a, a really, really, really generic term too, because demon ex the demons exist in like every kind of religion pretty much um there's like there's so many kinds of demons that there are even like like subcategories of demon like the demon of this like sleep paralysis demons or something that people talk about um so it's it's a very generic thing so i'm hesitant to say it's not real um i don't want us to get into the weeds of specific like have you heard of sleep paralysis demons and people having those experiences yeah i mean i had a similar one really Probably not in as literal of a way as you're thinking, but I have like a really vivid memory from about high school that really, really freaked me out. And it's the only sleep paralysis moment that I've ever had. Okay. Um, but basically what happened was um, I don't even remember dreaming anything before this, but I just remember being awake, okay. hearing a girl shout, it's the end of the world. And then my entire body paralyzing and shaking. Nice. Uh, and uh, at the moment, it felt like there was something like holding me down. Now, yeah. I don't believe that's what it was because you never I've had sleep paralysis other than that one time. That's the only time it's ever happened, and it was like I've had I think the association with the voice is what freaked me out about it. Yeah. Um, but I also understand that brains work in complicated ways, and sometimes your mind will try to make sense of things that it doesn't understand. Yeah. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that that. In fact, I'll be honest, I don't think at all that that was a demon. I think it was just like a weird experience. Um, yeah. But I can see how people could associate sleep paralysis with some pretty dark things because well, it's a very scary experience to have. Some people will have sleep paralysis and then literally see like a dark thing standing above them and forcing their body down. 
Um, and they're like fully awake. So it's not a dream. It's like a, like a in between dream and awake hallucination kind of. Um, sure. And that's more the experience I'm talking about. I can understand that. I'm, I, you know, if I were thinking, or I guess putting my science hat on, I would think again, the surprise of having that sleep paralysis experience and not being able to make sense of it in a scientific way fast enough could cause somebody's brain to think that there's something that is physically holding them down because that's the only explanation that makes sense. So I would I be mean, more likely to go along those there, lines. That's not the only definition that makes sense. Are you a scientist? You don't know how many possibilities there are. <laughs> no, but I do know that like certain hallucinations do work that way from everything that I've understood about uh, How much have you researched hallucinations? I think this is my wheelhouse, Bucko. <laughs> well, I I've I, I don't want to go down that train too hard because I don't want to like get into a long discussion about it. But yeah, I mean I have researched it some because I'm very curious about these kinds of things. And I'm curious about how science tries to reconcile it. Um and I'm not even, you know, gonna try to argue that it's the case every time, but I do think well, that let me that's tell you explanation something. that makes sense to me. Your entire reality is one hundred percent in your brain. For starters, right? Right, right. So, you know, I mean, just denying it because other people can't see it, I think, is a fallacy of material science. Um, because if because your has... entire reality is in your brain, your brain can do a lot of funky things. Well, sure, but, you know, it can also... It, it... Also, there are colors that we can't see, and there are entire realms of reality that just aren't perceptible to the way that our brain is tuned. You know yeah, what I mean? that is true. There are lots of colors that we can't see, and that changes what perception is possible. I 100% yeah. agree with that. And I don't want to get too far away from demons specifically, because I think yeah. this conversation goes beyond that. Well, I think sleep paralysis um, demons are a good thing to base it in, because it's one that people actually kind of common, somewhat commonly experience in, in our mm -hmm. reality. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've had sleep paralysis a bunch of times, and I've never seen a demon, but what I think sleep paralysis usually is is like a state in between you being awake and asleep where your brain you're like conscious thinking brain is awake but the there's a part of your brain that like makes sure that you're actually people who have uh sleepwalking disorders um ignore this part but your brain essentially has a function that stops your body from connecting to your cognitive cognition so that um you know you don't end up walking around and hurting yourself while you sleep because that would mm -hmm. be dangerous for your physical body um, and when you have sleep paralysis, it's just one part of your brain, brain woke up, but the part of your brain that shuts down your body from being able to, to walk around while you're sleeping is still in place. Right. Sure. Yeah. Th that's my um, understanding as well. But what I also think is that that interesting in particular state, um, can, can create some amazing experiences. Cause I've had out of body experience. Cause for me, if you, if you have sleep paralysis and you don't panic and you relax, you can leave your body. Like it's a skill, like it's an ability that you can learn and practice. Um, have you done that? Yeah, I have. Nice. I can't, I'm not going to say that I could do it regularly, but I've done it before. Um, and I would like love to be able to do it regularly, but I'm not, it, it, you, I, I don't, you know, I think that if there is a way for us to get better at practicing it, that it needs to be researched more. Um, which is really hard to do scientifically because other people can't see that it exists in science the way that we practice it is very much based on having, you know, uh, secondhand confirmation of things in order to validate it being funded. Um, yeah, that's true. So, which is understandable. Um, 
but even still, uh, because of that, I think that when you're in that state, it makes you open to having different uh, experiences where you can see different things. And I would not be surprised if people did happen to see something during that time. Um, but I also don't believe in evil necessarily. So, you know, let's say even if there was an experience where that was happening, I don't think that it would be like some evil being that's just evil for no reason. You know, maybe it's like just an entity on another plane that consumes anxiety and it felt your anxiety and got close to you because of it. Just as an example, I'm just making stuff up. Dang, um, that's a scary thought. That'd be a good, uh, some good fiction if you wrote it down. Yeah, I mean... But, you know, just because something can, like, if it consumes anxiety, that means it needs it to survive. Like, that's actually, like, its system. It's born that way. It's a, it's a biological thing just like anything else, right? So you can't sure. really fault it. Like, are humans okay. villains to chickens because we eat chickens? You know? It's a good example. It's like, in a way, you know, I mean, if you ask vegans, absolutely. But, um, but you know... Mm -hmm. Uh, in general, you know, there's the justification of, well, we need this to survive. Everybody has to eat something to survive. Something has to eat human beings. Maybe something has to eat our energy, you know? Um, yeah, that's interesting. And if that's the case, then they're not maybe necessarily like evil, evil demons. I think evil for no reason just doesn't make sense on any plane of existence. So um, well, let me ask, are you, do you still see this as the exact same type of entity as when we did talk about ghosts from your vantage point? No, I think I think the things that people experience as ghosts are things that are different from the things people experience as demons. Okay, that's a good parameter to set, I think. So I don't remember what you rated ghosts, but what are you thinking for demons as opposed to ghosts? If we're defining demons as having to be evil, I would say like two. Mm -hmm. But if we're defining demon as just like some really scary, grisly looking creature, um that people have seen and you know it scares the living daylights out of them i'd say like seven interesting all right oh boy what about um, you well see i'm also open to the idea that there could be some things uh that our minds can't perceive out there um but to be honest with you i would have a really hard time differentiating it uh, differentiating it from ghosts and if I did, I think I would lean towards ghosts being more likely just because I feel like there are more stories or the possibility that maybe they really are the same and people just experience them differently. You also hear people talk about like evil ghosts, ones that are yeah. more like poltergeists, right? right and yeah. you wonder if that might be more along the lines of what people think of when they think demons. Yeah, that's true. That could be like a demon. So whatever I gave ghosts, I'll keep. Um, well... No, because I still think that ghost is interesting as a concept of the afterlife being in the, the equation as well. Whereas I think that demons, it would be more linear to where this is an explanation that makes sense. And I think ghost has more than one explanation that makes sense. Uh, so I'm going to give it a four. I still think it's unlikely, but I think it's very fun to think about and talk through. I think it reminds me of, because we talked about yokai, didn't we? On the on the podcast at some point. Um, Japanese, Japanese creatures. If There's we a didn't, lot. we should do that one next time. Oh, well, it's, it's, well, I guess it you is different. Similar enough. I mean, I feel like a lot of these weird episodes are going to have similar types of things. So we could try different spirits. I'm interested in talking about the Menahune, the spirits well, from Hawaii. Yeah. Yo Yokai is like a class of, of cryptid or of, of spirits though. Cause like Kitsune are like these like trickster fox people. And those are Yokai. Um, 
Kappas are also yokai, and those are like little nefarious turtle creatures. Um, Oni are what I'm thinking of as demons because Oni have a very like demon like appearance. They're you know glowing red. They have horns. They're very devilish mm. um, in 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 depiction. Um, and uh, they are there. There's a story. I, I'm pretty sure they would like come to the human world and take people away and stuff like that in Japanese mythology. Um, sure. I mean, I think mythology in general is interesting because you can also get into Greek mythology and where some of that stems from. Yeah. Yeah. Like as a minotaur demon. Yeah. Maybe we, yeah, let's, let's table that discussion a little bit. Cause I think maybe one of these future episodes, we might have a good opportunity to just get into mythos in general. Um, yeah. Cause I find that stuff fascinating and very fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's possible. I can see there being demon like stuff out there. I just don't think of anything as pure evil. That doesn't make sense to me. All right. Uh, I think that was a, one of my favorite Journal 4 discussions. I'm glad that you forced me to have it. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, we will be back with part two of Weird Mageddon in two weeks, uh, as long as there's uh, no unexpected surprises. This podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies on their feed. Uh, you can find more of Lou and I by watching Jester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. And don't forget about our social media. It does still exist. Those links are in the description. Um, yes, indeed. We're not always the best at posting there, but uh, it is one extra way that you can support us, and we appreciate it. Um, yes, indeed. Another way to support us, chat in the Discord, and also leave iTunes reviews. Um, I want to see more people finding this show years after its lifespan, and the more iTunes reviews that are there, the more likely it is that people will check that out. I also want to once again thank the amazing Tessa Scarborough for the cover art of Gravity Bros. And we will see you all next week. Happy Sunday.